You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. This is the Thunder Quack Podcast. The official podcast of Thunder Quack Podcast Network where anything can happen. So strap yourselves in and hold on to your butts. It's Thunderquack time! Hello and welcome back to the Thunderquack podcast, the official podcast of Thunderquack.com, which you can get uh, every other Tuesday, or early, I guess, every other Tuesday at patreon.com slash Thunderquack. Uh, just like our Patreon producers, Brian Murowski and JJ Samuel do. Or you can wait and get it late every other Friday on podcast services across the galaxy. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I'm your other host, Amanda Conkin. Uh, uh, last week we did our Eternals review. Uh, yes. I, I, I podcasted a I, lot last week. I also was on, I also was on, I, we did the, we did Eternals. Yeah, it was a lukewarm podcast. I feel like you and Curtis did not have a good time at Eternals. I had watched it twice though, and I will watch it a third time, probably in theaters. Yeah, because I just am that kind of. I maybe I should go watch Ghostbusters instead. So maybe I won't do that. But I had a good time with it, and then I and then I podcasted over at Riverdale Gang this week. Yeah. I like that every now and then I post I podcast at Riverdale Gang with zero context for that show. <laughs> And I just like don't watch. I like watch it for the first time while I'm talking to them. So I've seen like two episodes of Riverdale, and they both happen to have been <laughs> random episodes that I podcasted about. So it's um, a lot of podcasting for me. Last I re- and I really don't think it matters for Riverdale. Okay, that's the thing with that. That, show. that it's like you can just come in. It is true. the The thing is actually the podcast was for Rivervale because they're doing like a five episode arc that seems like it's just nonsense. But it's like five episodes of contained nonsense because I guess they're hitting their hundredth episode soon. So okay. they're like doing a five episode arc and then they're breaking for the year or whatever and coming back in the in the spring. Because I don't know, that's I guess how their seasons are set up. It's very weird, but it's like a sort of like a Twilight Zone esque type of like. Anyways, if you have never watched Riverdale and you feel like jumping in, in the middle of the season, the first episode of this five episode River. Of, Vale arc seems like a good place as any so i uh that's yeah i mean like R- riverdale is pure nonsense um <laughs> it's it's absolutely just ridiculous but it is one of the shows that like i can't recommend highly enough um i love it i i i have we, we, car uh crystal and i are way behind on it um because we just were way behind on everything we've been watching you that's that's been our our show that we watch together right now we're wow. almost done we're almost done the new season um nice. but uh i yeah i riverdale is is one of our shows that we watch together as well and uh it's just like the great thing about it is that like it has its own rules and its own mythology and sort of like like lives and dies by that um but like it's in it is it is generally internally consistent um (laughs) some of those rules are really stupid like they're really really dumb but but like i said like it's it is actually consistent with its own with its own stupid rules 
which I, I, for longtime listeners, like they'll know that like, Hey, that, that counts for a lot with you and I like, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I don't care what yep. stupid magic elements you want to bring into this. I don't care what like nonsensical storytelling plot device you want to have. As long as you're consistent with how it's used or you're consistently yeah. inconsistent, right? Like, like yep. it's like, it, That's it's all pointedly it takes. That's like, all it takes. yeah, like, yep. like, the the important part i think for us is the intent right when it's there yeah. because you're lazy right like because like and oh yeah. yeah i don't know sometimes sometimes superman's powers do this and sometimes they do that and it's like that's where we get frustrated with smallville or like on arrow it's like sometimes he can fall three stories and roll and hit the ground running and other times he falls out a window and um <laughs> and then the episode ends on a cliffhanger cuz you're like oh my yeah. god and it's like he fell he he fell four feet. <laughs> it's like it's not a big deal. <laughs> Last week he literally yeah. got exploded out a window and fell three stories. This week he gets kicked, and we're supposed to believe that he's possibly dead, the lead character <laughs> of our show in the third yep. season. I don't think so. Yeah. You know, um, and that's where we have issues with Arrow, right? But but the thing about Riverdale is that like as much as it is just like obscenely ridiculous at times where you're like, I'm sorry, wait a second. What these teenagers are running. I'm sorry, a speakeasy underneath, (laughs) underneath the diner, underneath the diner. And everybody knows, but no one's stopping it. Yep. Yep. They're teenagers. They're like, we're, we're talking about 16 year olds. Okay, cool. 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 As long as, as long as we all agree that this is dumb and everybody knows that it's dumb and the show even acknowledges from time to time that it's dumb. Oh wait, in the new season, uh, now they're running a brothel. Those same teenagers. Okay. Well, they're 17 now. So I guess that it's, uh, nope, 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 nope. Still doesn't make any sense. Still doesn't make any sense. But in that world, in Riverdale, it's like, oh, well, Riverdale is is like the worst place on the planet. Um, <laughs> and that's like earlier this year, they announced like they 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 dropped the bomb of like, hey, now that her show's canceled, Sabrina's going to show up on Riverdale. And it's like, you guys couldn't have done this crossover when both shows the were show running. I don't. Happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's going to show I, or maybe she already has shown up on an episode. Uh, no, uh, she wasn't in the first episode. She's going to apparently show up. Apparently there was some sort of politics. Ryan did touch on it briefly. Cause I think he knew okay. more about the Sabrina thing, but, uh, but she's, yeah, that's part of the river veil. Vale. Yeah. She, she's going to show up and it's like, and I was like, yeah, okay, awesome. I'm down because, uh, more Kieran Shipka as, uh, as, uh, as Sabrina, the teenage, witch. uh, I, I, it, I'm not going to complain. Because uh, because <laughs> I love that show as well. That show also very dumb, very very dumb, but also very very good in different ways, like in its own ways. Um, yeah, a good horror anthology show, uh, light. <laughs> you know, like it's in the same way that super supernatural is like horror light, right? Like it's like oh, right, yeah, like yeah, cool, yeah. we're gonna dabble in horror, well, but we're not gonna go that full on. Me. Very similar. Um, That's fair. I don't know the Winnebago, the Win Win Windago episode. Winnebago. Okay, so Winnebago and Windigo are the two words that you've combined here. A Winnebago <laughs> being a, a a recreational vehicle, uh, 
and a wendigo <laughs> yeah. being a supernatural uh, yep. uh forest that'll, spirit. that'll be it that'll be it mm-hmm. yeah anyways the latter <laughs> as much as i'd like to see a supernatural episode about winnebago's it was a it was a creepy episode. I just will like always remember that being a, like a really creepy episode when I watched it in the first season. Yeah, you're going. Not that's like stuff. that's like season oh one, God. isn't it? The deep cut. It is. Yeah. That's what I said. I said in the first. Season, uh, that's the first. My favorite episode. one. Of, uh, not my favorite, but one of my favorite. My favorite episode of Supernatural is the Groundhog Day episode. I uh, <gasps> oh, that by far where yes, Dean just keeps dying over and over, and they drop a piano on him at one point. It's just like that. That was the point with that show where I was like, oh. Oh, oh, Supernatural is a cartoon show. I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Um, But uh, one of my favorite episodes is, I think maybe from that same season, that's either season four or five, the Christmas episode with the, uh, 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 the Santa Claus that like, that's like torturing them. It's, I, I, it, it's a good horror episode christmas one yeah i i can't remember i i think it's season five um but i just remember there's like a scene where they're like pulling somebody's fingernails off or something oh Uh, yeah yeah you remember what i'm talking about oh my gosh no i do that was like it was the krampus episode or something like right it was like they don't or it was like the idea of like the pagan festival gods or whatever because they got into gods in the fifth season right where they like started dealing with like gods Um, and other cultures so yeah that's yeah, cool. there's some good episodes of Supernatural. There's a there's a lot of really bad ones though. Well, yeah, <laughs> the ones I mean, you're you're bound to get a little bit of both when you're dealing with. I I like so whenever they content. cross over with the with uh with reality <laughs> those episodes where it's like, oh yeah, I don't remember yeah. who it was if it was Sam or Dean. I think it was Dean. Ends up like in reality where like Jared Padalecki is now playing Jared Padalecki. <laughs> And oh no, that's, like, no they both do they both do it's it's um it's a loki episode where they like where loki turns them into themselves like into the actors that's right yeah, yeah and um and then they're married to the actual like ruby is the demon that wound up yeah. marrying like jared padalecki and that actress got married and so it's like a thing that he shows up at home and she's there like waiting for him and he's yeah. like hey dear um yeah. yeah, supernatural, good stuff. Riverdale, it's good stuff. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Look at all these Sabrina, CW good stuff. I mean, like, shows. look, it's, it's, it's all, it's all. These are all better investments of your time than the than season three onward of Arrow. <laughs> Just <laughs> Crystal did it right. Crystal watched the first two up, first two seasons of Arrow. Like, I can't remember when it was. I think it was like, I think we were into like season three or four, and she was like, "Oh, I'll give it a try," and she started watching Arrow. And uh, I think this was back when it was like on Netflix or something. Um, right. And she started watching it and, and was like, oh, this is actually pretty good and watched through the first two seasons. And then she got to season three. And I think she made it like two episodes in and was and like never continued. And it was like, no, yeah, you did that right. You definitely did that right. <laughs> Sarah came back and then you stopped. <laughs> That's yeah, a, that's yeah. where that's where we should have stopped in hindsight. <laughs> if we would have been much happier people. I, I, yeah, we, I, that, that might be, that might be pre Patreon. <laughs> so, so, I you think know, so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Then we're not, then we're not locked into uh podcasting in perpetuity until you guys all stop supporting us on Patreon. I, uh, I, uh, please don't stop supporting us on Patreon, but, I, <laughs> uh, uh, but, but know that it is a double edged sword that as long as that's happening, I, I, yeah. I, that the that the podcasts have to continue it's uh it's like uh it's like a monkey's paw 
It's like, like we launched the Patreon. It's like, I really hope people like us enough to support us. And it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. People do like us enough to support us. We can't stop now. Now we have um, to keep going. Yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, it's, it's like um, uh, the genie. It's like Jafar at the end of Aladdin where he wishes to be the genie. And then it's like, and then the shackles come on and then he gets sucked into the lamp and like, Oh, okay. I guess this is how it is now. I, <laughs> it's really late and I've been up since four 30 in the morning. It's 10 15 at night. Uh, and I was up at four 30 in the morning with a cat who wasn't allowed to eat cause he needed to go to the vet today. And, uh, he, 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 he it's no, it's not fair. Cause like I had to deal with, with him not sleeping because he wanted food and then he gets sedated and then gets to be high for the rest of the day walking around the house stumbling looking at walls like like he's never seen a wall before um it's it's a very interesting experience to watch a cat walk around your house high just like he's just like he would just like his hind legs it took a really long time for him to sort of like get his balance back on his hind legs his front legs were okay but his hind legs were still kind of wobbly for about two hours after he he came out of it and uh and so he's just stumbling around pepper of course that we're talking about he's like stumbling around and then every once in a while he would just kind of freeze and then just like lower his 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 butt down to the ground and sit and then just sit there and if you like if you like looked at him from the front his eyes were just glassy and you could tell that he was just like he was just like having a bad trip he was just like he was just like what is going on it's it's so not fair but uh but they needed to do blood work and he's a bit of a jerk and doesn't uh doesn't want to sit still for things so they had to sedate him that's fair that's fair i mean i feel like that's how that's the life of a cat life of a cat i spent so much money on this cat today oh no it's just like it's just like yeah i i was raised in a household where it's like hey the cat might be sick okay say goodbye to the cat everybody oh so i or i mean like that's being generous that's being generous it was actually like hey the cat might be sick uh, uh, which is a conversation that was had in private away from uh, the ears of children. And then, uh, and then you would get home from school and it'd be like, Hey, so uh, yeah, bad news. <laughs> it happened three times in my life. Uh, no way. That's brutal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so sad. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's all good. It's all good. So I, it's weird. It's weird to, to now be uh uh, uh, dealing dealing with it um, with as Pepper an adult, as an adult with the cats yeah, yeah so you get and, to make those decisions and what you do yeah yeah because I know that like I know that my parents definitely wouldn't have dropped the, the amount of money that I just did not even for the actual treatment just for do can you figure Figuring out what's wrong out. with my cat yeah. and why he keeps yeah. throwing up all the time um, aww yeah. So, anyways, Poor Pepper. Uh, yeah, I, he, he's he he'll be fine. He's gonna be fine. It's it, it, it's it's he's Pepper, right? It's like like the, it's yeah, yeah, the yeah, blood yeah, work, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Like early test results or whatever came back, and the vets like, uh, it's he might have something with his kidneys, but like it might just right. be an infection or something. So they gave him antibiotics already, and it's like, oh, we'll, like <laughs> the, the vets oh, like good. get either like. 
if you bring us a urine sample, oh no, we can confirm it. And I'm just, and I said to Crystal, I was like, how do you do that? How do you do that? <laughs> like you can't, oh, I can't do that because he's not gonna. It's because the vet's like, oh, you just like like just put like like just empty the litter box. And like when he goes in the litter box, get it out of there. And then and then you can put everything back in the litter box. And it's like, I know Pepper, if there's nothing in the litter box, he's just not going to. Right. Like he's yeah, just going to. Yeah. So it's like, that's not going to work. And then on top of it, it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to charge me more money for this, aren't you? You know, yep. so we're just like, you know what? We'll just wait. We'll just we're just going to wait it out. We're just going to wait and see what the antibiotics do and see if he's OK. But, uh, yeah, that's been my day today. So if I'm a little punchy, that's why. Uh, and I stayed up a little bit later than I should have last night watching The Matrix. So uh, it was, uh, which oh. which was, uh, in hindsight, uh, uh, it it had to be done. I didn't have a choice. I needed to watch The Matrix before we recorded this episode. And I left it to the last minute, not really thinking about the fact that my Monday was going to be completely screwed over by this cat. Oh, um, yes. It was totally worth it because the movie was awesome, but we'll, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But um, yeah, I'm a little sleep deprived. I, I, but before we get into the matrix really quick, I want to talk about Ghostbusters. Totally spoiler free. Nice. I just want to tell everybody that uh, as a lifelong and when I say lifelong, I mean like. As far as I know from day one, like there are there are two things that I do not remember becoming a fan of. It's Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters. I just have always been a fan of those two things. Um, having to do greatly with the fact that like, like they have existed basically like since, since I was born <laughs> and are right up my right, eye. Right, so, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, like I don't remember the first time I saw Ghostbusters. I, uh, I do have a, my a memory of the first time I watched, well, I don't know if it's the first time I watched Ninja Turtles, but one of my earliest memories is watching Ninja Turtles with my dad, which is probably one of the reasons why it's like indelible. Right. But I, uh, but Ghostbusters is one of those things that like, I don't know. I was probably like three years old the first time that I watched Ghostbusters, which I know to some people, they'll be like, I'm sorry, what? You watched Ghostbusters when you were three? It's like, yeah, so did Kara. Kara watched Ghostbusters when she was like two. We were watching the cartoon when she was like a year and a half old. Uh, Relax about it. Uh, (laughs) I saw it twice. I saw it uh, on the advanced screening night on Wednesday. Um I uh, and then uh, and then took uh, Kara and Crystal came as well uh, on Saturday to see it. Um, it was even better the second time around. Like once it's you know it's like some movies it's like and and I find like with uh, with a lot of these like uh, I reboot revival like like forty year sequels I uh, like Ghostbusters and The Force Awakens and stuff like that. It's like. The first, the first go is just like, it's just pure reaction of like, oh, oh, okay. All right. Okay. And you're just like, you're just trying to, I don't know, just like, like stay in your seat (laughs) as you react to these like ridiculous things that you're seeing in a, in a positive way, obviously. Um, But then on the second viewing, you can be like, okay. Oh, okay. So that's where they set up that thing that comes later. And it's like, you get to see, you can actually like appreciate how well a movie is written. 
and uh it's a i i am fond of saying that the original ghostbusters is a 10 out of 10 like it's a perfect 10 movie as a matter of fact the original ghostbusters is the movie that that like where like i i coined my terminology of like a perfect 10 like ghostbusters is actually the benchmark on that for me it's like if it's if it can be as tight as that movie then it's a perfect 10 if it comes close it can, it's a perfect 10 nice. in my opinion and uh and this new one nothing nothing i don't know if there's a movie for me that 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 really can beat the original ghostbusters it the last couple of months sort of in the lead up to this one and just sort of reconnecting with ghostbusters in this way and then watching this movie has sort of brought it back like actually ghostbusters might be my favorite movie like it might be like my number one favorite movie, wow. like above Star Wars, above the Marvel stuff, above Indiana Jones. Like it, it cause it's such a funny thing of like, it doesn't matter. Like, like Star Wars, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I'm not in the mood. I don't really feel like it. Or like it'll ebb and flow where like, I just won't really care about Star Wars that much for like two or three months. And then it'll come back and that sort of thing. But Ghostbusters, like if somebody walked walked up to me at any point in time in the day, uh, any day of the week, any time of year and said, do you do you want to watch Ghostbusters with me right now? I would be <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yes, let's watch really? Ghostbusters. Yeah. Wow. Like, I I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. I, I it is it is at this point impossible to count. Um I mean, I, it was probably impossible to count from like the third time. It was impossible to count from the first time because I couldn't count the first time that I saw it. So, <laughs> so I've literally never been able to count how many times I've seen Ghostbusters. Um, That's cute. It's just like, yeah. I don't know. It's like, it's just in my DNA. Like that, that logo, my, my kindergarten school picture is of me in my Ghostbusters uniform. Like, what that's adorable i i so yeah like slimer the ghostbusters logo the ecto one proton packs like these these things are just in my dna and Kara loves ghostbusters as well she says it's the best one she she hasn't seen the 20 we haven't watched the 2016 one because i can't bring myself to watch it again (laughs) i just i just can't do it um, so she says it's the best one out of the three that she's seen Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters two, and now afterlife. And, and when I asked her why, um, she said she didn't want to do a podcast about it. So I, I like, Aww. but she said, but she said that I could, that I could talk about her opinion on the podcast. Um, she said the reason why it's better than the first one is that it's, it's actually spookier than the original one. Oh, so she th- she thinks that there are better scares in the new one. It's I love it's so much fun talking to a five year old about this stuff because it just like it just reconnects you with the five year old in you of like I'm just like okay yeah. yeah that's a good reason to like a Ghostbusters movie. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's wall to wall funny. I mean, like it definitely. It definitely gets a little bit, a little bit um, on the nose towards the end of the movie, but it, it's actually, I feel like it's entitled to. Um, it's not a spoiler to say that the that the original Ghostbusters are in it. Like that's been announced. It's been a part of the promotional stuff. So it's like, like that stuff is all kind of as. Um, 
it's kind of as sappy and and uh, and and you know uh, cheesy as you'd expect it to be, but it's also like, yeah, of course it is. Um, and they earn it, and it's okay. And you know, Bill Murray is Bill Murray, so uh, all out. But uh, but yeah, I highly I recommend it. it. I think that everybody should go see it. I think it. Uh, I I want to try and go see it in IMAX. I don't know if I'll get the opportunity to go see it in IMAX before it before it leaves IMAX. But um, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd recommend go see it, go see it on a nice big screen, um, get some popcorn, some candy. And, uh, uh, if you're lucky enough to have a freestyle Coke freestyle, uh, uh, machine, you get your, uh, I like to get the cherry vanilla Coke, but what I do is this is my tip. I do the cherry vanilla, like to three quarters. And then I do vanilla Coke the rest of the way so that it's cherry with extra vanilla. Uh, oh, see, I get cherry Sprite because it's the only time I get cherry Sprite there and I get it at Denny's because those are the only two places that I like can get it. Yeah. And I really like because cherry Coke is all right, but I don't like Coke generally. Speaking, and we, so and we both like tried it. to order our soda oh, with yeah, cherry so at the VIP theater <laughs> when we saw Venom. And she was like, yeah, yeah totally. We can do that. And it was like, oh, that's awesome. I didn't know you could do that. And then she brought out uh, our drinks and two maraschino cherries. It was so funny. It was like, no, no, we wanted the fake cherry syrup that goes in the drink. That's different That's not quite what we meant, but A plus for effort. Um, She she accomplished what she told us she could do. And therefore, like, I I find no fault in in the uh, the server. In her totally actions, fine. it was no. just us going like, can we get that with cherry? And she was like, yeah, I can definitely go to the bar and get you maraschino cherries. That's not a problem. And it's like, OK, all yeah. right. We have some cross wires here, but that's all right. It didn't take anything away from the experience. Uh, yeah. It yeah. was it's yeah. a fun story. Uh, but yeah, Ghostbusters, go see it. Uh, I'm going to be recording a podcast, a dedicated I, I guess it'll be an episode of metaphysical fiction with uh, with oh. Carl uh, from the Wampus Lair and Joe Are you do it instead Hogan. Of, instead of your thing next week, you can just do it instead of the off the record. Yeah, we're recording it tomorrow though, so I'll probably just edit it tomorrow oh. and put it out. So you guys will have well, it by Wednesday. But uh, uh, all those extra podcasts everybody's yeah. going to get then. It's just going to be a bonus. It's right. Ghostbusters. It's worth it. It's fine. I. Oh. Uh, you had stuff that you wanted to talk about, though. Oh, mostly just uh, the super randomness of... Well, actually, no, we were speaking about CW trash shows. And I feel <laughs> like I did see, as much as I'm not paying attention to stuff, every now and then stuff comes into my feed. And didn't, like, Nicole Kang tweet, like, her Poison Ivy look for Batwoman? Yeah. It was, like, the first time that somebody had, like, really enticed me by Batwoman. So I felt like that was worth being like, hey, I'm not watching that show, but maybe I will because this Poison Ivy looks super rad. Because as everybody, if you have listened to this podcast, knows my Batman is the Batman and Robin version with Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. So that's like my OG Poison Ivy. And I feel like her costume is like super inspired by that Poison Ivy. And I just think it looks it looks super rad. And I hope that they do something fun, uh, fun with with Poison. I I don't know. It looks like they're going to do some fun things in Batwoman. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm so like not in on that stuff. Um, so I, I like, like just on any of the CW stuff, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, 
and with Batwoman especially I like like uh, in particular because like with season one with Ruby Rose like after the crossover I was like yeah I'm definitely a no on this one I so (laughs) so I didn't watch any of season one um I I I I believe the hype that that uh, uh, I don't know the name of the actor that uh, that replaced her um, that that came in as Batwoman in season two. Oh, uh, yeah. But I but I've heard a lot of good things, and I and I have no reason to disbelieve that. And the people that are talking about it, I I I, I value their opinions uh, on the CW stuff. It's just one of those things of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to have to like care about that first season though. And I know that I could skip it, but like, it's just, it's one of those things. I, uh, but, but that said the, the costumes for Batwoman, they've been pretty solid. They've been pretty solid. And I mean, like, like Andy, our, our friend Andy Poon has, has been working on Batwoman. I don't know if he's still working on Batwoman. I haven't talked to him in a while, but I, 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 yeah, I mean, like, They've been they've been doing a really good job on that show with the costumes. I wish they would put as much work into the costumes on Superman and Lois. It's probably the one that's the one thing on that show that like I Superman looks good. But I I I one of the other characters, I don't want to spoil it because because he's revealed as another character partway through the season. But I one of the characters shows up in an outfit and it's like. Guys, I think we probably could have done another draft on this one. I don't oh, know, it's a, it doesn't quite bummer. work. It doesn't quite work, but it, it's also an ambitious um, character to try and do. So, I I, I am going to say because I looked her up because I didn't know the name of the actress, but I do just want to say uh, it yeah. was I think it's Javicia Leslie is the name of the woman that yeah, took over yeah. on Batwoman. So um, that's a great name. Yeah, and the, and Sorry, and yeah. and the show is 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 pretty popular. Uh, people seem to like it quite a bit. So. Yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it's good by CW I, DC standards and all that. But the thing I like is that Cameron Johnson, who is the who I guess is he posts photos in a bat suit of some kind. So I feel like he's something on it. I don't know who. He, oh, he's Lucius's son, nephew, or yeah. Son, and whatever. I think that he's Batwing. Yeah. I okay. Yeah. His, no, that character. makes sense. Batwing. Batwing. Um. Yeah. Anyways, he was at he was at the same film festival that my short film was in he had made like an animated short um, that won at the festival, which was really cool. Like he seems like a rad guy. So I feel like I support Batwoman because it's got cool people in it. So, which is cool, but it's also like how I get all my Batwoman news is by following specific people on, <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Oh my, my <laughs> other, my other piece of pop culture things that I'm getting again through osmosis where you're just kind of like, but I feel like Pete Davidson is having like a pretty rad couple years. And I don't know. I feel like, it's very hard to not be inundated with like popular culture news and the Kim Kardashian thing is just really through me, but also it's really funny where it's like, it, I don't know anything about Pete Davidson aside from like memes that I hear about. And actually every now and then I do watch SNL clips um, often with him in them. I feel like, I guess I know him from SNL for stuff, but it's one of these sort of interesting things at a time where, there's a lot of conversation because Adele's new music came out. And I think a lot of people are talking about her particularly in her weight loss. And like, we, we scrutinize women all the time for like mm-hmm. what they look like and, and we judge. And, but then there's, there's, what is the female equivalent of Pete Davidson? 
where you kind of are like, interesting. <laughs> His romantic partners seem to have a lot of things in common with themselves, but you sort of look at them as a couple and you're like, it looks, it's just like a little bit out of the ordinary from the outside. You're like, what is it? And then the, the memes are great where people are like, people refuse to admit that Pete Davidson has a good personality. They just sort of look at it and go, Mleh? what's <laughs> happening? And it's like, maybe. Yeah. He's well, I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he's obviously a very funny person. I mean, he's, he, he's, yeah. Yeah. he's great yeah. on SNL. Um, mm-hmm. Like a, a, a standout cast mes- member from the last few years, which is saying a lot because I'm I, it's both saying a lot and not saying a lot. There have not been a lot of really great cast members in the last, I would say, probably like 10 years. Uh, I like since sort of like the end of the, 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 I think like really like when Kristen Wig left, I think was sort of the end of, of SNL being particularly was that 10 relevant. years ago. That seems, like I don't, that's not quite ago. 10 years ago, but I was going to say, but it's no, definitely, I, like, I like, I like, it's Michael definitely Shea been and, a few years. I like Michael Shea and Mr. Johansson. I think that they do a pretty good job on, on uh, weekend update. Yeah, no, I mean, and there, there, there's good stuff on, on SNL, but it's not like, I don't know. Did you know. not get my Mr. Johansson joke? That was funny. I got it. Come yeah, on. I got it. I, I, it's not, it's not like it was like, cause I think like the last time that it was really like, like huge was like when Andy Samberg was still there and yeah, and, yeah, and all yeah. That, right. That's, that's definitely like, that's been like 10 years. Um, yeah. He's definitely one of the only cast members that I like know of by name. Yeah. Um, which is. But, but I, I, know I, I know him by name because of the way that people talk about him and his relationships. I think I think it's become a thing because it's like because he was with Ariana Grande, right? And then they broke up, and then he was with Kate Beckinsale for a while. I think. I think so. Which was like okay, all right. I don't understand why Kate Beckinsale is is hanging out with it. Also, like, like there's there's a there's a pretty big age gap there, and it was just like. Um, all right. Okay. Well, good, good, good for both of them, I suppose. And now with this latest one, it's just like, I think at this point, it's just become a thing of like, he's Pete Davidson. Like, it's like, that's why Kim Kardashian is now with him. Because here we are for, I think, maybe the first time ever on the Thunder Quack podcast talking about Kim Kardashian wow actually yeah that's totally true so so not to be not to be too cynical about it not to be too too sort of i don't don't know maybe maybe it's kind of gross but um i don't really see anything that kim kardashian does as a um uh a human act of sincerity uh i think that she's a corporate robot machine that just uh, uh makes more money and so all of her decisions are, are, are motivated by the nature of her being, which is that she's a, she's a, a physical entity whose sole purpose is the generation of more wealth. And, and so I think that like, like, like good for Pete Davidson in this instance, I, Kim Kardashian is a tricky one for me. I think that like the, the last few years of enabling uh, Kanye West's uh, mental breakdown so that they could get more publicity was, uh, was, was, was pretty gross. Um, Not, I'm not taking any of the onus away from Kanye West. I think that like, he also is responsible for like, Hey man, you need to go 
check yourself in somewhere and sort some stuff out. Cause clearly, you know, you've got a few cross wires yeah. going on here, but I, I, but definitely like, like she kind of just went like, yeah, no, there's nothing wrong. He's everything's fine. And it's like, everything is clearly not fine. There's some, there's been some weird erratic behavior <laughs> coming from, from Kanye over the last few years. I, I, so yeah, I don't think that that was a healthy relationship. I don't, I, I don't think that that was a good a good place for Kanye to be in. I I and and I think that his mental state was definitely affected by it. Um, this is the weirdest podcast we've ever made about talking about Kanye was in Kim yeah. Kardashian. I just well, feel th- like this is so weird. The, okay, I do. This go is a nice ahead. quote though because I wanted. I didn't know that he was with Kate Beckinsale. I just knew the Ariana Grande and the other thing. But there's like a like without actually clicking on the article and just looking at what Google is pulling up. It's apparently one of the reasons that Beckinsale said that they broke up is because she struggled with the attention on her relationship and that he lives his life with his heart on his sleeve. And I think that's like a really cute, caring, kind, like mm-hmm. way. I, again, I don't pay attention to who he is as a human. I just pay attention to who he is as a uh, online I, presence. I, see, so I, like, I read that a little bit differently. I, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that that's a really sweet and kind way of saying that he's a bit of a dope uh, uh, who doesn't know when to stop talking. Uh, <laughs> and and what I know of his personality and, and, and uh, sort of uh, his public persona, at least, um, that that's that's sort of how I read that is that like. Kate Beckinsale was like, yeah, I've done public relationships. I'm not really into that right now. You know, I could, I mean like Kate, Kate Beckinsale, she's, she's, she's a mature woman, you know, (laughs) she doesn't need to put up with nonsense. Uh, And she's Kate Beckinsale. (laughs) Like uh, she's, she's one of the most stunning human beings who's ever graced this earth. I, I, yeah, she is pretty rad. Um, uh, Not, not, not a phenomenal actor. (laughs) <laughs> but uh but she looks really good in leather in in a in a movie really? uh that wanted to be the matrix uh and then uh, wasn't quite wasn't quite the matrix yeah but it's pretty close i mean, I mean it's pretty close yeah. matrix with vampires and werewolves basically but, that's that's fair that's fair um, anyways not to like drag pete pete i don't know i just think it's just really interesting no, that I, I would I, like, like somebody I, to send me a female version of pete davidson or yeah. any relationship where people look at it and they automatically go, how did this girl get this guy? Like, I know that it's a weird, I know that this is like a weird sexist thing, but I feel like because I'm a woman, I can maybe say it. But like, they just don't, doesn't seem to be the same kind of pass for women as there okay. is for like some men. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. I, okay. I, I don't know Hugh Jackman's wife's name. She's, I think she's a producer. Like she's, she's like a movie producer. Um, <laughs> And they've been together since he was like just an actor in Australia, like before he had his big break as Wolverine and everything. Like they've been together for a really long time. I, I, the last time I checked, they were still together. I don't know. I don't really follow Hugh Jackman's personal life in this way, but I just know that like, like it's of note that Hugh Jackman's wife is, she's not unattractive, but she's definitely like very average, like just just like just looks like a, a like a normal run of the mill human being. And then Hugh Jackman is Hugh Jackman. He's Wolverine like he's he's shredded beyond belief in some of those movies. And then on top of that, he's also like like his talent and his charm and his wit and all of that stuff. Right. Like um, and, and you kind of look at it and you go like, 
like it's always one of those things where where and maybe this is sexist and 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 let me know if it is so that I can adjust my behavior but i uh, but i look at it and i go like well like good for Hugh Jackman that he didn't succumb to what like what we see with like Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and so many stars in Hollywood and stuff where it's like they they are in relationships and then i uh, and then they become famous and then they can be with whoever they want to be with. And they, and they walk away from their existing partner. Right. And I mean, like here's, here's the thing though. When I look at these two and I do look at how they like when they first got together, she's not in any way out of his league or she's not, he's not out of her league. She's sure. quite good looking. And he was actually a little bit funky looking when he was young. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't sure. know if you look at these pictures. Yeah, he yeah. actually looks like a little bit of a nerdo. I love it. This is so cute. I've never seen these photos before. I had no idea that this is. Who... But like, if you do look at the photos of when they were first together, like their marriage photo, he's oh, he's just so cute. He looks a little bit like Chandler Bing in this photo <laughs> that I'm looking at. Anyways, I, it's not quite the same because she's not. I don't look at her and I'm like, that's so weird. They just do seem like they like they just seem like a normal couple. I actually, yeah. yeah, there's. I mean, I guess it's. I guess it's. Sure. That is. I've never thought of Hugh Jackman's wife before. That's so crazy. I didn't know that. I didn't. I don't even think that I knew Hugh Jackman had a wife. I feel like Pierce Brosnan as well. I've heard that about Pierce Brosnan and his wife. Yeah. But um, I do. I think that these are a little bit sexist because I'm trying to find like I'm trying to be like show me women that are like <laughs> not movie star where they. It's a difficult. Like, it's Terrible. it's, it's Terrible. a difficult question to ask Google without coming off as a creep. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey yeah. Google, hey Google, find me a really pretty famous guy whose wife is n- not that attractive. <laughs> it's like, it's uh, Go- and Google's sitting there like, really? Is that? Yeah. Is that? Well, look, I, I get a lot of weird but, requests well, from people, but that's what you want to see today. One of one of the things too, though, is that like it's even in just IRL. Like, it's a little different when you kind of look at these movie stars where it's like, maybe they met them before they were famous. But like, are there any sort of funky looking women that are famous that have like really like even that because you're like, maybe it's the fame that like makes them a bit more like desirable or whatever it is. I don't know. I think I'm overanalyzing it a little bit, but it's it's a thing that I really as like you, you just can't help but like look at the world in very specific ways. And for me, I think it's of note that like with Adele and uh, her and uh, uh, Rebel Wilson, that like their the way that they were perceived by the media from weight loss was just like, I'm like, they're both freaking beautiful women. But like the, the abrupt shift in how they were talked about was just like so insane. And I mean, I guess that's just probably a, a an internet thing because I feel like Jonah Hill went through the same thing. But for Jonah Hill, he's still kind of funky looking because he was funky looking before. He's a he's a funky looking dude. He's a comedian, right? Like there's certain yeah. things. Whereas I feel like the I don't know. Maybe it's just that like women wear makeup and it's just maybe less like there's less funky looking women. I don't no, know. No, it's absolutely. I mean, like, look the 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 stand the standard is is wildly different. I don't I don't think that yeah. that's a I don't think that that's a radical statement to make. I don't think that you're in dangerous waters at all in saying that like, no, there's, there are totally different standards. I mean, like what it, what can be considered handsome for a guy and, 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 and what's attractive for a woman are, are very, very different standards. Uh, And, and a guy can, can put on a little bit of weight and a guy can, 
I, I, you know, grow out a shaggy, gross beard and not cut his hair and, and, uh, let his appearance go, but still be considered, uh, I, attractive, right? Like, I, like, there's a, there's a lot of men who have aged, uh, you know, like, like they've, they've gone from like, oh, they're like a young hunk and then aged sort of out of that and then come back around. I mean, like, um, here, here's an actor that like never kind of went away is like Tom Selleck, right? He starts his Magnum PI and he's like, yeah. he's hunky Tom Selleck, Magnum PI. The mustache was in vogue at the time. That's when my dad has that mustache. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely like my dad de- definitely rocks the Tom Selleck and they're like all the way up through uh, three men and a baby and the sequel. And then on to friends as, and, and like very specifically on friends as like, Hey, look at, he's like the, the hot older guy. And then even now in his, like, I think he's in like his seventies on blue bloods and people are still like, if you ask anybody is like, Hey, is Tom Selleck still hot? Like, they'd be like, they're like, yeah, Tom Selleck still got it. He's still got it. He's still he's still still rocking the mustache and he still looks good. And it's like, yeah, but he's like an old man now. Whereas like there, I think there are way less examples of women where where you can do the same thing. Um, and I think I mean, we've talked about it before. This is where maybe it gets a little bit touchy for, for me. I, I always kind of think that it's a shame when women are are sort of. Um, I don't know how to phrase this. I don't, I, cause I don't want to like, I don't want to make them seem like they're like, they have no control over it or whatever. But like, like I think of Courtney Cox, it's funny. We're talking about Tom Selleck and then I'll go to Courtney Cox. Cause they were Monica and Richard, right? Like the, yeah. uh, the connection there. But I look at Courtney Cox and even towards the end of friends, she already, she was already starting to, to sort of like go a little bit hard on the Botox and that sort of thing. Like in the last season, you know, that upper lip is starting to freeze a little bit. And when they did the reunion recently, it's just like, it's not that she's unrecognizable, but it's like, it, you can just, you can just see that, that, that she's had a lot of work done. Right. Mm. Um, which to me is always this thing of like, I, like it, I hate it. Not because like, do whatever you want to do. If that's, if that's what makes her happy and makes her feel good about herself, then then that's her decision. And I don't want to like judge somebody and say like, oh, I don't find Courtney Cox attractive anymore because of blah, blah, blah. That's not it's not what I'm trying to say. If (laughs) if it comes off that way, that's it's not how I mean it. It's more so that like I just it it upsets me that that so many women feel like they need to do that, like that, that they need to stay perpetually in their 20s in order to be attractive because I don't, I don't personally feel that way. And especially like, as I get older, right. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm 36, which technically puts me on the other side of my thirties in my late thirties. Right. Like there are lots of women in like their forties and even women in their fifties that are in movies and, and on TV and stuff like that, that I'm like, and they still got it. You know, I'm like, we're, we're, we're going to talk about the matrix. And, uh, and, and Carrie Ann Moss in the trailers for the matrix resurrection still looks amazing. Like she's still beautiful. Right. 
and I'm and I watched the Matrix last night, and I'm watching the and I I live tweeted it, and uh, and if you go through like at the end, I tweeted like, hey, I accidentally live tweeted the Matrix. Um, <laughs> it's mostly just me simping for Carrie Ann Moss, and that's it's like because <laughs> back then in 1999, she was amazing and probably actually because i was 13 when i saw that movie i i probably actually informed a lot of things about the way that i feel about women in now in my 30s i i just because it was like formative years right and and that movie was one of those ones where it was like oh wow very pretty lady and and i i like I'm, I, I will not shy away from the fact that like, I think women, women with like, with ripped arms, like, like that, mm-hmm. like really those really like defined shoulders and, and, and arms. It's like, I find that incredibly attractive and watching the movie last night, I was like, this might actually be the reason why I, th- I think this might be, I think this might've been the thing that like I saw when I was 13 years old, where I was like, yeah, that's hot. <laughs> right. Um, so it's, it, but looking at her now in, in the new one, like they just put out a bunch of posters and she's got like a hero poster uh, for Trinity. And I just look at it. I'm like, Keanu as well though, where I'm like, I don't understand how these two are both like so flawless still. Like I, yeah, what are they, what are they doing that the rest of us don't aren't? And it's, you know, they're taking care of themselves. They're eating healthy. They have personal trainers and nutritionists and they're rich people. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the, the answer is actually very simple. They have a lot of money um, and it's their job to make sure that they look good. But, but it is one of those things where like, I, I like I look at, at Carrie Ann Moss and like, I don't, I'm I'm not an expert on the subject, but I don't think that she's been, you know, getting work done. But but she's just like she's allowed herself to age naturally and she still looks great. And there are lots of uh, there are lots of women in Hollywood that that have done that. And it just like I just look at it and 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 the Friends cast is one of those things that it's like it's so easy to jump to because they just did that reunion thing. And it was like you can kind of tell that like Lisa Kudrow doesn't care. <laughs> right. And she allowed herself to age and she looks great. I think she looks fantastic. Yeah. But then Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox to varying degrees have obviously continued to, you know, do, do the various things that, that people in Hollywood do um, to, to Not just in Hollywood. So here's young. the thing. Sure. Yeah. I've had multiple conversations about this recently with like people in my peer group where I didn't realize how abnormal it was for people over the age of 30 to not get Botox. And by people, I mean women. Yeah. And, and I guess it's not, it was more so, so just like who I was talking to. There were like certain pockets of different types of people, but it's like, it's very pervasive. And I think it's just like, you know, the culture of aging and the culture yeah. that we're surrounded by constantly. So it's all good. I, not to harbor too much on harp too much on, on this, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, Carrie Ann Moss looks great. I'm looking at some images right now. She does, she does still look quite lovely. Yeah, yeah, and right? yeah. I I I don't know. It's, I I'll just say it again. It's like if that's something that you as a person, no different than if you want to like dye your hair blue. It's like mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't. I'm not gonna dye my hair blue. I don't. I don't find that more or less attractive. I, uh, I, but I don't care. Like, like if it makes you feel good about yourself, then go do it. As long as you're not hurting another person, you're being, you know, you're, you're making good decisions for your own health and safety. 
I I then then go for it. Do do, do whatever do whatever you got to do in order to have the confidence and and uh, like whatever you need to 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 you know be happy and and <laughs> there's enough bad stuff going on in the world. Don't feel guilty about getting you know uh, minor cosmetic surgery or. <laughs> Botox or whatever. Like if it makes you if it makes you feel happy and feel good about yourself, then more power to you. Like it's just uh it's one of those things where it's like I just I hate that I hate that society has been structured in a way that so many women I think feel like they have to not that they have to continue to like that they have to look a certain way, but that like they have to continue to look like they're 20, right? That yeah. like, like, cause it ties into like that whole like infantilization of women sort of thing of like, oh, like, like how it doesn't matter. You can be 35 and people will still call you a girl. Right. Actually, this was a, like this is a whole thing. thing too. Now that we're speaking, speaking <clears throat> of the matrix, didn't that all happen? Cause his girlfriend, Alexandra Grant, like that, the visual artist, I think is what she is. She does like art is like 40, 48, which I think is younger than him. Right. Cause I think Keanu Reeves is a bit older than that, but they, but she is because she looks like a normal human being. I remember mm-hmm. people being all like, this is such a mismatched couple. And it's like, no, because especially because it's yeah, Keanu, he's 50, right? He's, and, he's yeah. seven years, 10 years older. He's 57. So he's like 10 years older than her. And it's like people still, because she has like gray hair are like, Oh, he, he's with this girl that like, yeah. and again, I use the word girl to describe a 48 year old, but you know, cause yeah. just like what we were talking about. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the world is complicated. Let's talk about a future in which we all get uh, put into a, a battery farms. And, yeah, yeah, so that we can generate electricity for the. So so I watched the Matrix last night, uh, for the first time in a while, uh, and the the further I got into it, the more I realized how long it's probably been since I've actually watched that movie from start to finish, and I I. It was uh, enlightening, and I, I, the nostalgia component of it was so weird, and the stuff that I just talked about of like, of realizing now as a as a thirty six year old man, that as a as a thirteen year old boy, watching the Matrix for the first time, it it, <laughs> I I one of the things that I tweeted is that like it cracked my mind open like a ripe melon, like. <laughs> And in in more ways than one. So like there was definitely like the sexual part of it where it was like, whoa, this movie is uh, I, I would say before before the Matrix, it would have been the fifth element. That was probably like that was the first one where like I was oh, like, okay. I was like, what's going on in this movie and why am I starting to have these weird feelings? Um, but uh, with Mila Jovovich in that one, I which okay. like like fifth element and the matrix are some of the last like sexy sci-fi uh before everything started like sci-fi has become so i think because because they want movies to hit general audiences right and it's like everything's just sort of it's i i hate to use this because i don't want to like put this on disney because i don't think it's their fault um, and it's such an easy like pot shot. It's so hack to be like, oh, the Disneyfication of everything. But I do think that like that genres that were not as sanitized before or ones that were like 
that were actually like 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 a really good place for us to explore some of these things have have had that stripped away from them um and and like sci-fi is one of those things where like hard sci-fi has a tradition of being sexy and i don't just mean like exploitative of women i like sci-fi and fantasy has also has also explored the male anatomy (laughs) it's it's definitely there it's from different perspectives there's definitely an objectification of women versus like a, a a a power fantasy for men but i do think that in something like the matrix I, I, especially now with the context that we have of it in the year 2021 and, and the Wachowskis um, and, and, uh, and their journey since 1999 to now. And looking back on it and, and, you know, looking at, looking at it as, as, as a trans allegory and stuff like that. Um, Like, like there are, there are all these other added levels and stuff, but like that, like there, there's a sexiness in the movie and I don't think that it's objectifying on either end of the spectrum. There, there are, there are moments, right? Like the whole woman in the red dress thing, but it's actually the thing that I find the most interesting about that is that as an adolescent, I looked at that and probably related more to mouse than, uh, than, than not. And now I look at it and I go like, it's like, it's actually played very importantly as juvenile that like, right. that, that oh, okay. it, uh, and it's actually used to set up for the moment later in the movie when, when I, I, cause it's a badass moment when he dies, when he pulls out the two giant chain guns and, and, and goes down fighting or whatever. It's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that from that character because the, there's so much that they set up about him that's that's counter to that idea right but uh, i i so th- there's a lot of imagery there and a lot of sort of like uh metaphor tied into that and the, the gigantic guns what's he compensating for uh <laughs> but uh as opposed to like like it what the funny thing is that the like tank and dozer don't even go into the matrix and dozer is like right. Do- dozer is the most uh intimidating physically out of all of the characters he doesn't go into the matrix Right. It's I, I, but tank and dozer are, are, are Isn't that uh, like, they're the, what's the word for it? The, they're I can't, like, they, they, they were born in Zion, born right? In like they're, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not, they're not, so they can't, they're not they can't, batteries. Yeah. yeah. They can't yeah, yeah, go into yeah. the matrix, but, but mm-hmm. like, again, like, man, it, it is, it is such a funny thing because two and three come out and, the critical reaction is what it is. And the fan reaction is what it is. And, and I think that like the expectation was built up so much that nothing could have, I don't think that they could have put anything out that would have met the expectation because having just rewatched the first movie, it is a cultural shift. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. 1999. There a bunch of things happened in 1999, obviously, but I think it's so it's so interesting. And this is one of the places where, like, I don't want to I'm not I can't believe in coincidence because I Agent Smith talks about it. They're like, oh, you know, we made your perfect world and you rejected it. And so, you know, we like they they picked the end of the 20th century as this very specific point. 
And it's so funny, 1999, two years later, 2001, September 11th happens, and the world changes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we can't go back. Like, that genie can't go back into the bottle, and we live in the world that we live in now, and so much of what what we talk about on a regular basis of like the polarization of politics and stuff. It's all stuff that's existed, but it's just been like, that is the turning point. Like that's the flashpoint they, they really like, I think puts us on that path to where we are now as a society. And it's like, how do we get back from that? I I don't know that we do, but to go back and to watch the matrix, which is such a like snapshot of this point in time, both in terms of like, this is the content that we're making, but also like literally the matrix within the context of the film of the narrative is a snapshot of that time period as well, because it is almost like, like looking back at it in 2021 and going like, we didn't realize it at the time. It it literally was the end of an era. Like, Right. And that era was like, like from the, the sort of the Reagan economy up through, up, up through till 2001, uh, up, up, up until September 11th in 2001. And, and the world kind of seeming like, yeah, everything's getting better. Everything's good. Right. Like, like that was sort of, there the was mentality. so much potential. I think we were on the precipice and there was potential for the world to go in many different ways. And I think that the, the like there's a zeitgeist there at the like the millennium or what is it is it like it, like there was people were like waiting for that to happen for so many years. Yeah, the shift just came in a way that was so abrupt and unexpected. Like I don't think, well, I mean, not unexpected if you watch all the documentaries about how, uh, yeah, <laughs> like telegraphed it was that there was going to be a major terrorist event but anyways um not to be a conspiracy i I think i think for for the general public in the moment that we were in especially as kids yeah yeah you just didn't like it's like every but everybody knew that something was coming and we just didn't know it was just out of in a way that we didn't expect but it i I think that that sort of doom like we we were we always are as as humanity and i mean even now what like 30 years freaking hell is it 22 20 years later 23 years later Oh, um, but we're still sort of waiting for the apocalypse, right? And the, yeah. like the, the like apocalyptic narratives, it just happened to be on the precipice of something that was quite world shifting, right? But I mean, the like how humanity reacts and how we're and how we're advancing ourselves. I was just talking about the Fermi paradox today, actually, <laughs> with people. But like, what is it that like we're moving towards, and what is it that's going to destroy us? Is it ourselves, or is it something from without, right? And the more, I mean, the more yeah. the older I go the more I think it's ourselves that's going to cause our own, cause our own demise. Uh, not to be too much of a downer about it. Um, but I think you're totally right. Like whatever was encapsulated in that there's, there's this beauty, beautiful um, ethos that existed in, in, in 1999, where we, we were at that, that there was enough technology that we could feel it coming. Like we could feel the shift in how this was changing our lives. I just don't think we knew the extent to which, but yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's funny to look back on the technology though, too, and be like, we thought we had a lot of stuff (laughs) technology wise. Yeah. (laughs) And like you did, because when you look at 20 years prior to that, I will say the difference between the eighties 
like the late 70s and the late 1990s was much more than what happened between 1999 and 2022. 2021? My gosh, where yeah. are we? Um, right? I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, I think that there's just definitely like the the rapid advancement in what we had in um, technology in those 20 years versus this 20 years. No, I, I don't necessarily think that that's true. I, I, I think that the types of technology I... I and I, and I think because we lived through that era uh, and, and we're sort of digital natives in that sense, right? Like, like right. We, we're right on that cusp, right? Um, yeah. uh, of, yeah. of Gen X millennials. It's like we're, we're old enough to, to remember relate to, to Gen X, but we're yeah. young enough to have grown up with the internet. So yeah. I, uh, it, it, like we, we, we live in that weird sweet spot. Um, between generations, uh, between something that really defined two generations. Right. So I think, mm-hmm. I think for us, it's like, because we bridge that gap, it's like, we, we remember having to get up to, re- to change the channel on the TV. Right. right. Um, yeah. but, but we've also, we've also come of age in the era of Netflix at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is a very unique perspective. So, so I think, like like i i understand where you're coming from on that because i do think that like certain things made astronomical leaps but then when you really think about there there there's a there's a there's two parts to this the one one is that like computers at a certain point in the early 2000s got small enough that like we really don't because we're not like we're not actual like electrical engineers or computer scientists. I, 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 we don't actually care or know how our phones work. Right. Like, so as much as we look at them and go like, yeah, these haven't really changed since 2008. It's like, yeah. Okay. From a design perspective, they haven't, but considering what's on the inside of them, I, they've gone from at most like, Oh, Hey, the big one is eight gigabytes to the phone that I have is 128 gigs. Right. My phone is 128 gigs. My hard drive in 2008 was like, well, probably like, like, like maybe a hundred gigs, maybe, maybe on my computer, on my desktop computer. Right. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's, I, I, yeah, like 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 the 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 technology has gotten much more impressive, but in almost imperceptible ways, uh, and the manufacturing processes and and the efficiency of that stuff and and uh, and and the sophistication of it is, I think, beyond what you or I really like care to know. So so it's harder to see that. Whereas it's very easy to see um, computers go from punch cards in the nineteen sixties to right. the the personal computer desktop right. you can see the, the different 90s, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? that's yeah that's that's fair. it's very visual and even like cars change and all that that sort of thing but but um, the, the the big the bigger thing with technology in the last 20 years is something that we don't really talk about a lot and it has it has a lot more to do with genetics and and uh 
advancements in bioscience and what we're currently living through and the fact that like 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 here's the here's the only proof that i need to give you we are acting like the covid vaccine is another vaccine like oh they 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 developed another vaccine and there are a lot of people out there in the world that that think that there's live virus in the covid vaccine because that's what they understand as a vaccine. They understand live virus vaccines, right? The flu shot, I, I, you know, like all, all the va- the like uh, chickenpox vaccine, all that stuff, right? Like that. Oh, we're gonna inject you with a small amount of the virus, and you, you know, it's it's a it's a benign version, so your body knows how to fight it. So when it encounters the real one, it's already prepared, and you have an immune response all ready to go. I think that a lot of people understand that. Not a lot of people understand what an mRNA vaccine actually does. And the fact that it's nanotechnology, like it is like, this is the beginning of a scientific revolution that science fiction has been talking about since like the 1960s. Right. Uh, Stuff that, that, that people were dreaming up and going like, Oh yeah. In, in the year 2000, they'll be able to do this. And it's like, Oh, we're about 20 years late, but we're getting there. So we're like, we have, we now have a method of sending instructions to the body to build things that the body wasn't going to build. Right. Right. Without introducing the virus. So lowering the risk, right. Mm -hmm. And giving it the ability, like, and what we're using it for right now is, Hey, this is the spike protein. If you see this, kill it. That's what that's what the COVID vaccine does, right? It goes into your body and it basically just gives your immune system the instructions for like, hey, when you encounter a coronavirus of this specific type with this spike protein, here's how you fight it, right? Mm-hmm. And preparing our body for it. And it's been incredibly effective and it's awesome. Go get your vaccine. I'm getting my third dose uh, on Thursday. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to get uh, Cara vaccinated as soon as possible. Um and I think you guys all know how I feel about the vaccines. Go do it. Uh, but that technology is, uh, and I, I think in 10 years, we'll look back on it and there will be like this. And I really hope that I'm right on this, you know, cons- assuming that society is still a thing in 10 years. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I say that I can say that joking. Cause I, I am very hopeful. I think that we'll be fine, but uh, we'll adapt. Things will change, but but uh, but we'll be fine. We almost have too much technology at this point to to not. It's just yeah. Well, so like. one of the one of the interesting things, and I guess like for people, because we haven't actually said it on this, but the reason that we're podcasting about the Matrix is because the Matrix Resurrections mm-hmm. is what it's called is coming up, um, and so we're obviously podcasting about the other matrices before that to to get ourselves hyped for the new one but what i'm interested is sort of how because i can see you see in the trailers all the cell phones right in the same way that it wasn't in the first matrix and so uh i'm interested to see how they incorporate the world now from the world in 1999 right like what what sort of things that they latch on to. Cause I think that that's an important part. Like it's such, it's so tied to the, the story is like the technology and how we relate to the technology and yeah. what, uh, yeah. So I can, can, I, can I tell you what my prediction is for, for the new Ooh. one? Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think that Neo is the architect. 
right? Oh. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to rewatch the movies is because I want to watch them and because I really I'm I've only ever seen Revolutions, which is the the third one. I think yeah. I've only seen it the one time, just in the theater, and yeah, then maybe I've like watched pieces of it afterwards. But mm-hmm. I've I, th- I think of the only time that I've ever sat down and watched the whole movie was in in the theater. Maybe when it came out on DVD, I watched it once. Reloaded, I know I've seen a couple of times all the way through, but I also know that like the last time that I watched that was probably when I was in film school. And I know that I, I, Mike from 2003 to 2005 was a real big dum-dum and didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> As opposed to Mike in 2021, who still is a real big dum-dum and doesn't know what he's talking about, but is at least self-aware of that fact now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to have a little bit more experience and knowledge to know how much I don't know and a little bit more wherewithal to pay attention and try and put things together. So rather than thinking that I already had all the answers and ignoring what was in front of me, I, I want to watch these movies and really like try and dig into them and, 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 and try and figure out what they're actually about. Um, which like watching last night was so much fun because I was like, Oh my God, I thought I knew this movie so well. And I do, I've watched the matrix probably a a dozen times at least prior to last night. But I, but, but like I said, with all that extra context and and knowledge and experience watching it again and just being like, like not just understanding, like I said, like when I was a kid, it like cracked my mind open like a ripe melon, but understanding the depth to which it actually opened me up to a whole lot of perspectives that 13 year old Mike had not considered and maybe right. wouldn't have considered at 13 had it not been for the matrix, putting it into this incredibly stylish, fun, digestible wrapper of a sci-fi movie with guns and Kung Fu. Right. Um right just all of that stuff, all these trappings and, and like the stylistic stuff of the matrix really just being like this. It's the, it's the spoonful of sugar <laughs> that, that <laughs> delivers the medicine, else up. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and now watching it as an adult and being like, this movie is not a good movie. This movie is not a great movie. This movie is a masterpiece. It is, like, like we should have been studying. We didn't study it in film school. I'll let you know that. Like in 2003 to 2005, when I was in film school, we did not study the matrix. As a matter of fact, if I had brought up, like we should do a critical study of the matrix, I probably would have, I not probably, I would have been laughed at for that because it would have been like, what? No, that's a stupid blockbuster popcorn movie. And now I look at it and I go like, there is, there is so much here that just like at the time on the surface uh, is is amazing and incredible. But because of the 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 gift of hindsight and especially, again, relating it back to the Wachowskis and and their journey in in uh, uh, coming out and and and, uh, you know, sort of realizing their true selves and 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 uh, going through that journey uh, and all of that stuff. And, and now having that context backwards onto this movie, it's like mm-hmm. there's stuff going on in here that like 1999 we couldn't have understood. 
right? And like, like maybe there, the, I shouldn't say we couldn't have understood. I couldn't have understood because of where I was at and where society was at and what the expectations were of a 13 year old boy in 1999. Right. Yeah. But now that dialogue is broader. I, I think that they're, they're, I wouldn't be surprised to hear anecdotal, you know, like to hear stories from people in with similar experiences to the Wachowskis, I uh, having watched the matrix and, and connected with something else that the rest of us weren't necessarily seeing. Um, so like something in there about, you know, uh, uh, your, your having your physical body and then the manifestation of your body. I mean, like the, the moment when they go back into the matrix for the, when they go into the construct and Neo's his oh, hair's yeah. back to the way that, that it was in the matrix yeah. and he doesn't have the plugs and the stuff. And, and Morpheus explains to him, it's he calls it residual self image. Right. And at the time we're going like, that's rad sci-fi. And right. in 2021, I'm looking at that and going like, they were writing about something else. Yeah. They were yeah. writing about an experience inside their own bodies of having this, this different image of themselves that didn't match their exterior. Yeah. And they put it into a sci-fi wrapper because, because at the time in 1999, I'm actually like starting to get a little bit of like, I've got emotions like that are sort of building up in me. I uh, talking about this because it's such a it's such an amazing realization of like that it was so difficult to talk about stuff like that even in 1999 which is so recent yeah we've come so far in that time we still have so far to go because it's still not an ideal situation for anybody um, but, but we've come so far and, 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 and the idea that they, that they couldn't, they couldn't actually like tell their own personal story in a literal way. So they, they, they wrote this thing and, and I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to, to read interviews and stuff as we, as we head into, to resurrections to, to sort of hear, uh, in their own words, I, I, uh, like like what 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 they were thinking when they were writing the first movie um and how much of this was like subconscious and how much of it was intentional and that sort of Just thing like very blatant yeah yeah but but looking back on it retrospectively it is so clear that 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 conversation is very much a conversation of a, like the trans experience of like i am in this physical body that doesn't match how I see myself or like, like my idealized state. And here's this amazing world that they constructed where through sci-fi and through, you know, uh, uh, nonsense gobbledygook, we're going to put a spike in the back of your skull. <laughs> like you can go into a world like they, they made that dream a pseudo reality, right. Within, within right. The, the narrative of this story which is just such an amazing perspective. And it's why I want to watch the the next two movies. It's like, it's that. And then understanding, like, like going into the, into the fourth one, like, like trying to understand like the plot of what the next one's going to be. Cause I think that it's going to hinge very greatly on the idea of <clears throat> in the, in the, I can't remember. I think it's at the end of the second one. They talk about like, this isn't the, this isn't the first version of the matrix you're not the first one 
right? Like yeah. this, this yeah. is, I think it's like the seventh or something like that. Um, the, the one that's in the movie. And I, I, every time the one shows up, it ends up causing, you know, like it builds to this thing and then they just have to reset it. And the, like the yeah. machines just reset it and it goes back. And then the one eventually, like it's, a, it's, it, maybe it's designed into the system. Maybe it's a right. flaw of the system. It's kind of unclear, but I, th- I think that the fourth one is going to very much like the, the whole thing of him, like I, uh, with the Neil Patrick Harris character, the, the, right. the psych psychiatrist. And then I, uh, I, uh, what's his face? Uh, not Josh Gad, the not Josh Gad. The not character. Josh Gad, the, the other one. The... Yeah. <laughs> Oh, what's his name? Um, yeah, oh. Christoph. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think his therapist, or psychiatrist, whatever, is his therapist, psychiatrist. I think that that's an agent. I think that like the blue glasses are a dead giveaway. Yeah. The way that Neil Patrick Harris is performing yeah. is a dead giveaway. Maybe it's a red herring. I don't know, but I think that's a dead giveaway that he is he is a Jonathan construct Groff. of Jonathan the Matrix. Groff. He's a program, right? Right. And, and then I think Jonathan Groff. I think that he is another construct, another program, but one that's like designed to help Neo maintain the facade of like, cause I, I, I think that like he says, after all this time, you're going back to the matrix. To me, I think yeah. that in this new world that, that Neo, that, that Thomas Anderson is an author yeah. That he's like he's he's written the oh, books about the yeah, matrix. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. As like a way of him being able <laughs> yeah. to process what happened in his in the previous iteration, but that he is actually yeah. like he's now God in in right. this new matrix. Um and that it's actually going to be like him uh he's like sort of uh asleep, right? And him sort of becoming awake to the to the fact that he is actually uh, that he is actually the architect of this new matrix and what that means. Um, mm. And that like, like I, I, this guy who is seemingly Morpheus, but isn't Morpheus or is he, is he, is he a younger Morpheus? It's really it's confusing. Unclear. right? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. like, like an idea of like, maybe Neo subconsciously has created, recreated Morpheus because Morpheus right. dies off screen. He dies in the video game, in the, the Matrix Online video game, uh, which is important information for everybody to have going into this new movie. That I'll be curious to see how they they tell us that yeah, information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that like I think I think that like Neo has like he's like created this this character, this person to come in and like break him out and wake him up. And obviously like, who's, who's he going to, who's he going to manifest, but Morpheus reborn, right. In order to, to wake him up as the one again. Right. So that, that's, that's where I'm currently sitting with the information that I have in my brain and my, my very crappy recollection of, of the second and third movies. Um, But having rewatched the first one and third ones. Yeah. I feel like that's like the because the first one is such a sort of an an awesome film in and of itself that you don't really realize that there's just so much more in this world and that the second and the third one really is the world building where you deep dive yeah and I feel like that's why it maybe grates on people a little bit because it's it's about the world it's not about the characters in the same sense where like you really have like a I don't know like a hero's journey right yeah. for the Matrix itself and for Neo and like what he goes through and who and how he how he 
becomes who he is. Um, but yeah, I, I because I don't remember the, the other two, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how much the fourth one plays into those two as opposed yeah. to the first and how much it does go back to the first one. It's funny that you started out talking about Ghostbusters too, because I feel like that's a franchise that in so many ways they try to reset, but then also keep the same, like in the same, and it's like to various success, depending on which movie it is that you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm going to be really curious with this, with the fourth one, how much it's about calling back to the first one and how much it's about continuing to build the world from the trilogy, which I think is a different yeah. thing, right? Like it's like going to be different in how they approach it. Um, and also in what, what it is that we're, we're supposed to like connect to. I, and, I think so. that much like Ghostbusters afterlife, not to give too much away in Ghostbusters afterlife, but I think similarly matrix resurrections is a bit of a way of getting a do over on the other things that have come so like and and i'm not just talking about the 2016 ghostbusters don't don't take it in that way it actually there is an interpretation of afterlife that is valid that says that ghostbusters 2 never happened there is also an interpretation of ghostbusters afterlife that ghostbusters 2 is also part of the canon right um it it and it and it and it's inconsequential. You can feel however you right. want to feel about that. Is it a direct sequel to the first movie or is it a continuation? Is it the third movie in a trilogy? Right. It is right. it is definitely not acknowledging Ghostbusters twenty sixteen, but Ghostbusters twenty sixteen doesn't acknowledge the original Ghostbusters. It's in an alternate timeline. It's a parallel. Right. It's a parallel unit. It's a it's a it's a it's a multiverse. And that's not like just me being like, Oh, it's a ghostbusters multiverse. No, literally there's a ghostbusters multiverse. It's in the comics. There's uh, the, the, the real ghostbusters, which is the cartoon series from the eighties and nineties has its own universe and continuity that is tangentially connected to the movies, but not directly. Um, I mean, I guess directly, but like not beholden to, um, and then there's the, 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 the 84 movie, and then there's the 2016, and then there's the IDW comic books, which, uh, continue the story from the 1984 movie for actually from the 1989 movie from Ghostbusters two, um, and continue it into the future. And then they cross over with the Ninja Turtles in Canon where the Ninja Turtles from the IDW comic book series, come over into the world of the ghostbusters and then go back to their own world. And they're from separate universes, right? Like, but those, the stories that they told were very specifically like, Hey, we're crossing, uh, uh, dimensions. Like we're like you guys, like the turtles have their own dimension and the, 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 the ghostbusters have their own, which is actually different. Like, cause the turtles did another crossover with Batman where it's like like yeah. that one the 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 Ninja Turtles Batman comics exist in their own self-contained universe that's not the DC universe and it's not the Ninja Turtles universe it's its own what it's its own universe where Gotham exists and New York exists and in that New York you've got Ninja Turtles and in Gotham you have Batman and they know oh, wow. about each other kind of but not really until they meet it's it's nice. it's like its own thing. It was it's just really cool. It's awesome that they did that, because um, it allows it to not be like it doesn't. They you don't have to worry about a continuity. You just you can just tell a cool story where Batman and the Ninja Turtles team up, and <laughs> then there's the Ninja Turtles Power Rangers comic that they did, where the turtles 
show up in the Power Rangers comic, but they are the Ninja Turtle. It's the it's it's in the continuity of the Power Rangers comic of the ongoing continuity of that by boom, but it's not the IDW turtles. It's not the cartoon turtles. It's not the ones from the movies. There are Ninja turtles that live inside the power Rangers universe, which there's already precedent for because there was the live action TV show, the turtles TV show where they crossed over. Anyways, there's all sorts of stuff all over the place. Marvel and DC aren't the only ones with multiverses is my point in that. And all of that is to say that I think that, that, um, that mate, the matrix resurrections is going to attempt to tie up the loose ends that the original trilogy left and maybe even retcon a little bit of the stuff that people didn't necessarily like about the first, but without retconning it, which I think is the beautiful thing. I think it'll be a lot like Tron legacy in that way where it'll go back and it'll be like, Hey, uh, just forget everything that you think, you know, about this because it doesn't matter because this isn't the same matrix. Right. Cause Tron legacy did the same thing where it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The grid Tron. Yeah. It's a thing. Bum, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Right. He goes in, there's Tron. This is not that same place. The grid in this movie is a new grid that Kevin Flynn built specifically to go in and do this stuff. The only holdover is that he brought Tron with him from the old grid. Like he brought right. the old Tron computer program into the new one. And that's the only thing that carries over. So it's like, you don't actually have to even watch the first Tron in order to watch Tron Legacy. And I think that Matrix Resurrections will be similar where it's like, hey, if you've seen the first three movies, cool. If you've only seen the original Matrix and you don't care about the other ones, that's also going to be fine. Because I don't think that the Merovingian is going to be a real big part in (laughs) in this one, right? And like, if you know who the architect is and you understand that concept from the first trilogy, then it might you might understand a couple more things when they happen in resurrections but i think that it'll also be self-contained i also think this is the key difference and having just watched the matrix last night this was the this was the uh i don't know if it was an epiphany because it wasn't really like oh i didn't realize that before it was sort of an uncovering of something that i'd kind of just forgotten which is that the first movie is not about it's not about strength or power or even like it's not even about Neo like using his mind to overcome like, you know, like the there is no spoon. Yeah. You know, is that air you're breathing sort of thing? It's that's not what it's about. That stuff actually all fails. He dies. Right. What the Matrix, the first movie is actually about is that the the one thing the machines can't fight that they can't counter because they can't comprehend. And this is going to sound really corny and stupid, but it's what the movie is about is love. Yeah. That's what it's about. (laughs) Yeah. Because he dies. He's shot multiple times Mm -hmm. in the chest. He flatlines. He's dead. And then Trinity gets on top of him and says like, no, you can't die because I love you. Yeah. Right. And, and like, <laughs> and that's so what, corny. I love it. that's what the Oracle told me is that the man that I would love is the one. So it's you because I love and you. And it's yeah. like, it's not that he's the one it's that she loves him. And therefore he is the one he's the one. Yeah. And that's why she loves him. And it's like, it's a, right. it's yeah. like a, a, 
Ouroboros snake eating its own tail. Like you can't have one without the other. It doesn't exist. And every, and like exactly what Morpheus says to him about what the Oracle says. It's like, she told you what you needed to hear. She, she said to you exactly what you needed to hear to put you on the path. But as always, he says multiple times in the movies, I can only show you the door. You have to walk through it. And it's like it all, but it's not about him going like, I'm the one I have this power. It's actually about Trinity believing that he's the one and that's what makes him the one. Right. Yeah. 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 That's what makes that's That's what the first movie is about. Is that like agent Smith can't fight that because he can't comprehend it. It's beyond him. It's beyond the machines to understand how, like she can literally pull him back from death just through the sheer act of loving him, which is like the most out there thing in a movie full of ridiculous concepts is that like, she literally just like, she kisses him back to life like a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale. The end of the movie is sleeping beauty. And then he, and then the world bends around him and he goes inside (laughs) agent Smith and explodes him, which is, the worst special effect to have ever been put in a movie. Um, it looks <laughs> awful, but whatever it they accomplished. So what long they ago, to. they did it so long ago. But even I don't know. Like, I will say that the, go ahead. The special ahead. effects for what they were were. I mean, because I, I remember watching all the docs and stuff about it, and yeah. that the, accomplishing the shot in the like very first, like when when Trinity does the like jump. I'm doing it like I'm like mimicking it right yeah. now. But the like you know, up, like the yeah. jump and then the like the pan around her and just seeing how they accomplished that with like the practical stuff that they were able to implement. And then also like the, like when they go in to, to rescue um, Morpheus, right. And the, like all the squibs that go off in like the big, like the big lobby, like all the yeah. intense guns and all that stuff, but like all the practical stuff that they added in there because they had to meld the two of them. And I think yeah. that that's, I don't know. I just think that they did a really, a really good job with, well, what it's, they had at yeah. the time, right? The so, Matrix yeah. and the Phantom Menace live in in this awesome sweet spot where they're right at the end of that era, yeah. where it's like yeah. you're at the yeah. beginning of digital effects becoming actually photo real and and believable. Um, mm-hmm. But you're also you're also at the 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 zenith, like the absolute pinnacle yeah. of practical effects. Yeah, um, yeah, and so much of that is a lost art now. And and granted, like there's still a lot of practical effects and stuff. But there are certain things that like we just don't do it as well as we did it even before. I mean, like the Phantom Menace is even a little bit across that threshold because Yoda looks terrible to the point where like in the Blu-ray, he's replaced with the CG version because that puppet because they because we'd lost it by then. Right. Like nobody was making puppets because we just weren't doing those kinds of stories and people like, Oh, you can't put a puppet in a movie and have it be believable. And it's like, yeah, but we did, but, but we did actually do that in 1980 with Yoda and he was a hundred percent believable. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but Jim Henson had died and (laughs) the world had moved on and without, without his influence. So we kind of lost that. And Frank Oz was still around, wasn't he? Well, Frank Oz is still around, but, and Frank Oz has played Yoda in every appearance in a, in a feature film. So, I actually I I understand what you mean like in terms of legacy but but it's just like those those skill sets have sort of like morphed and changed into different things it's like when Chewbacca shows up in episode three and he does not look like Chewbacca and you're Mm -hmm. like I don't know what that thing is but like that's not a Wookiee that's a man in a costume 
right like that's a <laughs> yeah, like yeah. like i wouldn't take my picture with that thing at disneyland it's so ugly yeah. um it is not a believable chewbacca but then somehow like we've come back to it and 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 i think that we're much better at it nowadays to in in recreating that stuff and being a little bit more historical about it and going like let's not build a better chewbacca let's just go and build let's just use today's technology to build him the way that they built him back then um and that's why chewy looks fantastic i mean chewy looks the best solo is the best chewy that we've ever gotten that chewbacca is that's not a costume that's a real like that's a wookie that's a real wookie there's no there is no they they keep saying that 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 Jonas suotomo guy is in the costume but i don't believe it that's chewbacca they found an actual Wookiee and they put that, that Wookiee in that movie. But, okay. but the matrix does like live in that weird zone where it's like, th- there's like the thing that goes into his stomach, the bug that goes into his stomach, but then, oh, yeah. and it's like, it's very CG and whatever. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely composited and it looks very fake. But then a few minutes later, we get the sequence where he wakes up <laughs> and that stuff's for real. Like that sequence is there's, there's actually one moment in that sequence that I think is worth calling out, which is when we do like the pan over uh, to look down and digital effects and digital environments were so new that the Wachowskis tried and didn't achieve, but tried for the first time to put an artificial um lensing on on the shot to 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 try and sell it as like a real environment so like lenses are curved right i'm not telling you amanda i'm telling the audience because for people who might not know (laughs) because i know that you know this but lenses are curved so like when we shoot stuff with a camera lens it's like the saying is like the camera adds 10 pounds right the reason for that is because the lenses are curved this is a like more of an old school thing than it is a modern thing because lenses are better now and there's less distortion and whatever. But they attempted to replicate that lens distortion that you get on on like a wide angle lens, like for a really nice, like for a really good establishing shot. Most of the time, this is one of the reasons why most of the time in an establishing shot, it's locked, right? Like it's not really moving. Uh, maybe maybe you might get like a very slow far away I, I I pan or something like that, like a really subtle one. But they're in like this big establishing shot as we like zoom over this thing to look down this endless pit of human batteries. And mm-hmm. they tried to add a distortion around the edges to make it look like it was through a camera lens, even though it was a purely digital environment. And it was such a funny thing of like now in 2021, I watched that and I go like, good try guys. But like, that's like what I would do in after effects today. <laughs> because like, that's how the technology has progressed in 20 years. Exactly. What they were doing in yeah. big budget movies. You can now do on your computer at home. So. Um, and do better on my computer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Adobe now has like so much AI technology in it that like just for the consumer, you can like tell it like, hey, look at this environment and give me fake 3D lighting for it. Like take a 2D picture and <laughs> and and allow me to actually change the lighting on this 2D picture. Mm-hmm. If, if it's high enough resolution and you've got like the raw camera data, you can do that now with Photoshop and Lightroom. So like you can like you can literally add lights that were not physically there when you shot that picture 
in Photoshop and move them around in a 3D environment. And it's smart enough to like look at your picture and go, yeah, I think I understand the shape of these objects, right? Like you don't even, to do that even 10 years ago, not to mention 22 years ago, I would have required uh, several VFX artists and, you know, a render farm. And now I can do it on my laptop and it's like, it's kind of ridiculous. The world, the world is changing. Uh, we're coming up on, uh, I mean, like the episode's not two, two hours and 40 minutes, but we've been recording yes, for two hours and 40 minutes. We've been recording for a very long time, yes. Uh, and I still have to edit this whole thing and post it. So uh, I, could, I could talk about this movie probably for another hour. The good thing uh, is, is that I think over the course of the other two movies, we'll keep coming back. You can't stop talking about the matrix when you talk about the other two. So I feel like there's plenty more, plenty more chit chat about the matrix to come. So, well, and I think you'll probably have more to say in the next episode when we're talking about the sequel. Yes. hundred percent. Well, cause I mean, I like, those are the ones, like, I don't know. I just remember the vivid, like the big car, they, they got bigger. I feel like but not more substantive. And I'm, I'm interested to explore like what I can find in them going forward. Yeah. So. It, it will be interesting. In it's not the same as like the, the deep cuts that you're talking about and like all the character and the, like yeah. it was such a revolutionary thing. And well, I don't, I don't think that the second and third one are about love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's fair. But where I'm hopeful, where I'm hopeful is that based on the trailer and what we've, what we've sort of heard, about why this one's being made um it feels to me like this one actually that it this one's actually going back to going back to the roots to the first one to the roots and this one this fourth one is actually also about love so um i'm excited i mean i'm 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 as excited for this matrix movie as i have been for star wars movies i think um I don't know if anything's going to top Ghostbusters Afterlife for me from this year, <clears throat> because that is, yeah, I'll talk more about that tomorrow. <laughs> but I, 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 yeah, man. I don't know what I did to get so lucky with everything that I care about being the things that are successful and bankable and, and, back and yeah. yeah, coming back and getting all of this money to make the most lavish, ridiculous uh, sequels imaginable. Um, the, the, there is only one left on the checklist that they keep saying, like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it keeps getting closer and closer, but not happening yet is the last Starfighter. Man, they got, I really hope that they make that, but, um, it deserves a sequel. But, uh, I think that's it. I think, I think we did it. I think, I think, yes, I think that's an episode. I'll give it to you. I think you did it. I think you did a lot of talking in this one. So I did. Well, you talked a lot when we were talking about Pete Davidson. So (laughs) priorities. There we go. And anyway, it's good. I'm excited. Thank you, Mike, for. Yeah. So I, so stay tuned for, for, uh, our, our Ghostbusters, I, I guess it, I guess it'll be a metaphysical fiction. I, I, I don't know. It'll be on this feed. You, you guys, you'll get it, um, which will be later this week. And then uh, and then next week will be the Patreon exclusive uh, for everybody. Um, uh, that, that's a uh, what is it? Five dollars and up over on Patreon. Uh, and then in two weeks, we'll be back and talking about the Matrix 
reloaded, right? Yeah. Is that? I think so. Yeah. Reloaded because then Revol- Revolutions is the, yeah. is the third one. And Enter the Matrix is the video game that was the prequel story to The Matrix Reloaded, which tells the story of Jada Pinkett Smith's character and right. her her buddy. The Wasn't the, the Animatrix part of that as well? That like- <laughs> the Animatrix came out in between, but the Animatrix... I don't, I don't remember, because Neo doesn't appear in any of the Animatrix, I don't think, or maybe if he right. does, it's, just it's like, like, isn't it like mostly Nebuchadnezzar stuff? Like, I haven't, I don't think I watched the It's Animatrix a lot stuff. of, it's a lot of how did the, how did this happen? Uh, right. I, so yeah. that, there, I think there's, there's two or three uh, uh, shorts in the Animatrix that are about, like, the machines. Um, I know that there's definitely one that's, like, about one of the 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 stories uh may be true maybe not true but one of the stories that the machines tell of the first machine that basically said no it's uh right. it's uh, it's the matrix version of uh uh battle for the planet of the apes <laughs> Ooh, all right very exciting I wish they'd make a new Planet of the Apes movie so that I could force you to watch all of the Planet of the Apes movies to talk they about They have always been on my radar. So one day, one day. I They're so good. They're so good. That whole franchise is gold. That's one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you on the next episode. Stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands and be kind to one another. Follow the Thunderquack Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching the Thunderquack Podcast. You can support us in three ways. First, by heading to the podcast service of your choice and leaving a rating and review. Second, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch from your favorite podcasts. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support and get cool rewards like early access and extended episodes. The Thunderquack Podcast is the official podcast of thunderquack.com. Head to thunderquack.com to discover more great podcasts.